Good morning. Today is Thursday, September the 1st. Hope that you're doing well today. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 1. And for context, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 and then pick up in verse number 8 today. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In verse number seven, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who are troubling you and they're perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, that God's grace is unmerited favor. It is the fact that God loved us when we despised him, adopted us as his children anyway, sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins before we even knew we had sins. God gave us everything when we deserved nothing. That is grace, the acronym, God's righteousness at Christ's expense. We see this in Romans chapter number five and verse number eight, where it says, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in Romans chapter five, verse number six, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And in the little mm -hmm. epistle of Titus, uh, Titus chapter number three and verse number five. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So grace it's unmerited favor. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. As a matter of fact, it is given in spite of us, not because of us. However, as human beings, we have a tendency to corrupt absolutely everything. And with grace, the Bible teaches that there's two problems that humans introduce into the equation. First, we tend to abuse it. And then secondly, we tend to think that we must perform either to obtain it or to keep it. In the New Testament, people who taught this were called Judaizers. And in many respects, that attitude and that teaching is still seen in the church today. And then in verse number eight, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. It doesn't matter who preaches it. If it is contrary to the Bible and the gospel it contains, it is wrong. And the messenger of that wrong gospel will be judged. That word 
uh, it says, were they preaching the gospel, let him be accursed. That word is anathematized. It means cursed, sent away from God. Anyone who comes and adds anything to the gospel, adds anything to grace. It's not grace plus. It's not the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ plus. It is nothing. It is simply grace. And unfortunately, I believe especially in our country, and I've lived in several around the world, it just seems that um, we become very vulnerable when someone looks or acts religious. We see examples of this in the Bible. One such example is in the book of Job, when Eliphaz said to him, now a word was secretly brought to me. In other words, Job, this is something you don't know. This is just between me and God. Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, when fear comes upon men, and trembling which made all my bones shake, and then, quote, a spirit passed before my face. And the hair on my body stood up, it stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes, there was silence. Then I heard this voice said, Can a mortal be righteous, more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? That's in Job chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. What Eliphaz is so arrogantly saying is that he received something from a spirit, something that's secret. Something that he alone knows and Job is not privy to. It sounded very spiritual, but it was completely off base. The very first verse of the book in Job chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was blameless. That man was upright, and that man was one who feared God and shunned evil. Totally the opposite of what a, quote, spirit whispered into the ears of of Eliphaz. Another example happened in 1823 when an angel appeared to a guy named Joe, who lived in upstate New York. While Joe lay in his bed, this angel revealed to him, supposedly, where he would find a new revelation. The new revelation was to be inscribed on golden plates that he had dug up. It is now one of the largest cults in the United States. The only problem is that the message of the plates totally contradicts the clear teachings of the word of God in regards to who Jesus Christ said that he was. Jesus said that he was God incarnate, incarnate, placed in the flesh. He was God and not a created being like Satan. And yet they teach that he is the brother of Satan, Lucifer. Again, we see a guy who claimed to have a supernatural message, who claimed to have a spirit that whispered something in his ear that nobody else knows. But it is not the message of the Bible. And today, the Mormons is one of the largest cults in the United States of America, and yet they do not teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do not teach who Jesus Christ claimed to be God. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am you are still yet dead in your sins. And that name, I am, is that same name that was given to Moses in the Old Testament when he approached the burning bush and he said, who shall I say sent me? And he said, I am. 
that I am has sent you. When Jesus said, I am, you know, in your Bible, you might have, I am he. In a good translation, that he will be italicized. Why? Because it is not in the original. He said, I am. He is using the name of God. That's why the Pharisees tore their robes and accused him of blasphemy. And then he says in verse number 10, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That word persuade, do I now persuade men or God, means to make a friend of or to seek the favor of. In other words, for do I now make a friend of men or of God? For do I now seek the favor of men or of God? Examples of this are found in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, where Paul said, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Also in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in, Lord, in the Lord Jesus that you shall abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. You see, guys, pleasing God should be the top priority in our lives. Pleasing Him comes before pleasing others and even ourselves. We must come to grips with the fact that the preaching of the gospel is not pleasing to lost men. It never will be. As a matter of fact, it is about the quickest way I have found to lose and establish friendships. And notice he says, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I would not be the servant of Christ. That word servant here can be translated as bondservant. A bondservant was no ordinary servant. We see this in the Old Testament in Exodus 21.2 where the law stated that all Hebrew slaves could be set free after six years of service. However, there were times when a slave could decide to stay with his master for one reason or the other. And it says in Exodus 21, 5, and if that servant shall plainly say, you know what, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He will bring him to the door, to the doorpost of his master, and shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Thus, the servant, the unwilling servant, would become a bond servant in that he was now a willing servant. That's why Paul said in Romans 6.22, but now being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Paul realized that the freedom, quote freedom, that he had in this world was nothing to be compared with the slavery he had in Christ. And we need to realize the same.